chromosome. Y'all can talk about all these viruses, and that's good, but you can't forget the main one. It's plaguing us, bro. It's time now for the People's War Radio Show, where we do talk about the main virus. And that is colonialism. Here on the People's War Radio Show, we talk with healthcare workers, activists, revolutionaries, authors, teachers, and regular people from the African community. We aim to bring you an African internationalist analysis on all things important to winning our freedom from colonialism. The root of all our problems. Uhuru, welcome to the People's War Radio Show. I'm Dr. Matsumela Odo. And I'm Awambi Tongu. Uhuru means freedom in Swahili, and freedom is on our minds 24-7. June is Black Music Month, and today we are celebrating it on the People's War Radio Show. Much like the origins of Black History Month, Black Music Month emerged as a form of resistance to colonial white power's domination of African people, African culture, and the African narrative. In the 1970s, the famed Philadelphia music producer, Kenny Gamble, visited Nashville and learned of the Country Music Association and the creation of Country Music Month. Now, we all know that the origins of what is now called country music are in the music tradition that Africans brought to the U.S. The banjo, a staple of country music, is in fact an African instrument, the mbanza. Yet, the Country Music Association used Country Music Month to preserve its definition of country music. Kenny Gamble decided to create Black Music Month to do the same thing. The original theme of Black Music Month was to preserve, protect, and perpetuate Black music. Black Music Month is a form of resistance to the colonial narration of history that silences and erases Africans from the past. George Orwell wrote, who controls the past controls the future. Who controls the present controls the past. Chairman O'Malley Yeshitela has taught that to struggle for the control of history and the control of our own narratives is to claim our rightful place as the architects of our own destiny. When studied appropriately, Black Music Month is a progressive political project for African people. However, in the mainstream discussion, Black Music Month has been depoliticized and reduced to a cultural celebration of American history. The official, aka colonial narration of the history of Black Music Month attributes its creation to President James Earl Carter Jr. Then in 2009, President Barack Hussein Obama renamed Black Music Month African American Music Appreciation Month. President Obama stated that Black music 
had allowed black people to dance, express their religion, protest, and quote, defend our country's enduring promise of freedom and opportunity for all, unquote. African internationalist investigation of the historical narrative reveals the opposite of what President Obama's declaration was. The African music tradition was formed against the dominant U.S. political and cultural norms. During colonial slavery, African drums, dance, and indigenous songs were all banned. African music has played an important part in African identity formation and African resistance to colonial capitalist domination of Black people. This is the sentiment reflected in the 1973 track, Burning and Looting by Bob Marley and the Wailers. Underscoring the African working class character of black music in this song, Bob Marley declares reggae the music of the ghetto. Let's take a listen.
That was Burning and Looting by Bob Marley and the Wailers. In today's episode, we talk with two important leaders in the African music tradition. They importantly link the political to the cultural. On our show, we have Norma Jalali Richmond and DJ Eddie Mosby. Known as Florida's Blind Boy and the world's best blind DJ, DJ Eddie is the assistant station manager at Black Power 96. He is born and raised in St. Petersburg, Florida and spent over 35 years playing music for the community in downtown St. Pete. As soon as he heard about Black Power 96 and its mission, he united with Black Power 96. He has been with the station ever since. DJ Eddie's musical specialty is gospel music. Norman Jalali Richmond was born in Louisiana and raised in Los Angeles, California. He moved to Canada in the late 1960s, where he became an early leader in the African liberation movement in Canada. Jalali has dedicated his life to revolutionary cultural work. He has worked with a host of musicians such as Bob Marley, Abby Lincoln, Hugh Masekela, and Fela Kuti. Jalali is the host and producer of Diasporic Music Show on Black Power 96 FM radio in St. Petersburg, Florida. Diasporic Music provides an all African mix of music and politics that is, quote, made in the West, but is not made of the West, unquote. Diasporic Music airs every Sunday at 2 p.m. to 4 p.m. Eastern Time. Welcome to the show, DJ Eddie and Jalali. Uhuru, Conrad. Uhuru. Uhuru. Uhuru, Jalali. You played an important role in connecting the political and cultural in the music industry. In Toronto, you led the Beagle Malcolm Rodney Coalition, an important force in the cultural boycott against apartheid in South Africa. Jazz, funk, and reggae artists played an important role in leading African cultural resistance at that time. You met lots of those people. What can you tell us about that? First of all, I did not, I was a, I was a founding member of the Biko Malcolm Rodney Coalition, and that coalition was made up of uh, African people from North America, the Caribbean and the African continent, and it was also made up of men and or, or women. I guess I was regarded as a leader because I was in the media. So the media, you know, basically singled me out. And Elombe Brath, who was the head of the Patrice Lumumba Coalition, read a lot of articles that I wrote. As a result of that, Elombe invited me or had me come to the United Nations in 1983 or 1984, there was an anti-apartheid meeting at the United Nations in Elombe, got me invited. And as a result of that, I became a, a vice president of that particular conference. But uh, I was just a founding member of, of the group. And because I was in the media, I got a lot of, a, I got more attention than, 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 than many other people. Oh, yeah. Thanks for that. And thanks for your own revolutionary humility. But, you know, I know for a fact that I've seen your name in all those documents because I've done the research and I just want to <laughs> salute you for being on the show. Who are some important musicians to the African liberation struggle and what songs of theirs stand out to you? I was born in Louisiana and one of the most revolutionary songs that uh, I've, I've ever heard was, was written by a young man by the name of 
Percy Mayfield from Minden, Louisiana. I think that's in Lincoln Parish, but he had a song called Send Me Someone to Love, which was recorded, I think, in 1950. And this brother was calling for peace. You know, you know, he was, you know, it was love song, but he said, you know, please send me someone to love. But if it's not asking too much, please send me someone to love, you know. But the first thing he wanted was world peace. I think that was the Vietnam, not Vietnam, but the Korean War. War, war, war was going on. And then, of course, you know, Fela Kuti's music moved me. Fela Kuti moved to Los Angeles. He spent about 11, nine or 11 months in, in Los Angeles. And he, he met a woman by the name of Sandra, who was born in Arkansas, where she was a member, of, I think he was a member of the Black Panther Party in Los Angeles. And Fela gives her credit for turning his head around. Fela said that, but, you know, it's also, we must remember that Fela's mother was a great revolutionary. She was the first woman to uh, drive a car in uh, in uh, uh, Nigeria. She also met, uh, she knew Chairman Mao Zedong. So Fela's mother uh, had a lot to, to, you know, to do with him. Uh, also, I became very close with Walde Semayat, a.k.a. Peter Tosh, a.k.a. Hubert Winston McIntosh. That's Peter Tosh. I consider him a great revolutionary. I also consider Aretha Franklin as one of the uh, great people. She she should be held up because uh, she was going to put up the money for, for, for Angela Davis when Angela Davis was uh, 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 jailed. Uh, she was in Jamaica at the time, and that's before cell phones and social media. So she couldn't do that. She also helped uh, the Nation of Islam, you know, when the Nation of Islam was attacked. And, you know, Aretha doesn't get, you know, a lot of credit for, for a lot of the, the revolutionary work that, that she did when she was in the land, in the land of the living. You know, there are many, 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 many others. Uh, you know, from Canada, we have people like Elle Jones, a sister out of Halifax, Nova Scotia. She's held the banner high for Black music. And, uh, you know, there's there's many, many, many others. So two artists that you know who played an important role in the African liberation struggle were Max Roach and Abby Lincoln, also known as Aminata Moseka. Max Roach's 1960 album, We Insist, Freedom Now Sweet, was historically important. The cover of the album is iconic. It evoked the sit-ins happening that year, but was accompanied by defiant looks of the artists looking back at the photographer with the white server stooping in submission, as opposed to the popular images of protesters being brutalized by white people. The tracks reflect a global view of African resistance, taking listeners from the period of colonial slavery in the U.S. to apartheid in South Africa. Let's take a listen to one track from that album, Freedom Day, with vocals by Abby Lincoln, a.k.a. Aminata Moseka.
lion, can it really be? Can conceive it, can't believe it, but that's what they say. Slave no longer, slave no longer, this is Freedom Day. Freedom Day, it's Freedom Day. Throw those shackling chains away.
must be lying, can it really be? Can't conceive it, don't believe it, but that's what they say. Slave no longer, slave no longer, this is Freedom Day. Freedom Day, it's Freedom Day. Throw those shackling chains away. was Max Roach's Freedom Day from the 1960 album, We Insist, Freedom Now Sweet. Uh, Jalali, what can you tell us about them? I think she even lived in LA, not too far from you, correct? Well, Aminata Museka used to live around the corner from my mother. And I used to go and spend time with Aminata Museka. And Aminata Museka's slave name was uh, Abby Lincoln. She came out of uh, 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 Michigan. The name Aminata was given to her by Ahmed Sekotore, the president of Guinea. But anyway, Aminata Museka used to live around the corner from my mother, and I spent a lot of time with her. And she was definitely a, a fierce person in the, in, in the African liberation struggle. She was one of the people, when, when, when Patrice Lumumba was, was murdered, she was one of the people who led a demonstration at the United Nations where they tore the United Nations up. It was Aminata Museka, another sister by the name of Rosa Guy out of Trinidad, Maya Angelou, and many other sisters. They they basically went in into the United Nations and basically acted a fool. When I say acted a fool, I'm saying it in, in a good way. They 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 tore the place up. Just do a Google search on on killing of Patrice Lumumba and how the women in the United States reacted to the killing of Patrice Emery Lumumba, Joseph Okito, and Maurice Impolo on January 17th, 1961. Uhuru, yeah, thanks for that, because as some know, some might not know, that was a historic uh, protest. It was a historic protest of which uh, the Africans charged genocide campaign, of which myself and Mwambi have had the privilege of leading, right? Uh, our, pro our, our campaign follows in the legacy of that protest. It really was an important uh, historic precedent that took place um, uh, at that time. and really marked uh, an important example. And if you want to know more about that, you can actually go to uh, theburningspear.com where an obituary is published by uh, Jalali, Norman Otis Richmond, to uh, Abby Lincoln, also known as Aminata Moseko. Uhuru DJ Eddie, your specialty, gospel music, emerges from a tradition of African resistance. During the period of colonial slavery, Africans created songs such as Follow the Drinking Gourd, Go Down Moses, and other spirituals that helped Africans rebel and flee the plantations. During the civil rights movement, the gospel music tradition was also used to create freedom songs and some of our most courageous leaders like Fannie Lou Hamer were also gospel singers. In fact, 
Let's listen to two songs from Fannie Lou Hamer right now. Walk With Me and Amazing Grace. Walk With Me in Amazing Grace by a hero of the African liberation struggle, Fannie Lou Hamer. So DJ Eddie, what is the importance of the gospel tradition to you and why has it retained so much importance? First of all, I would like to say uh, hero to you, Conrad, uh, doing a wonderful job here at, uh, with this uh, show that you have, the People's War Show, a wonderful show, and I'm just so proud to uh, be a part of this show today. And I also want to give a salute out to the Chairman O'Malley Satella. Uh, of course, the leader of the African nation, and also to D.C. owner, Sinead Satella. Just want to say a salute to them, too, uh, for all that they have done for not only Black Power, but for the African nation. And, and for shows like your, you guys that you have here, uh, the People's War Show, a wonderful show. I am so ecstatic and proud to be here. 
And and as for your question, gospel music is just a phenomenal music. Uh, like you said, it was a way to be free. It was a way to uh, lift your spirit uh, by being held down as being captured and stolen from a country uh, where we were completely happy at the time. And, and they came and got, got us, stole us from our motherland. And it was a way to, to, to bring uplift the spirit and soul of the people that were, were being captured, beaten, killed, and, and so forth. So gospel originated from a lot of that uh, spiritual. It's a, it's a spiritual, and that's why we call it spiritual music and, and the gospel. Gospel uh, certainly means, when you say gospel, people say, what is gospel? Gospel is good news. That's the meaning of gospel. It's good news, the good news of gospel and good news is spiritual. It's spiritual. It's it's wonderful. It's good, and that and that's where it, it kind of originated from the lifting of spirits. The lifting of spirit. Yuru. Thank you so much for that. You are listening to the People's War Radio Show, produced by WBPU Black Power ninety six point three FM in Saint Petersburg, Florida. Our guests today are DJ Eddie and Norman Jalali Richmond. Uhuru Jalali, you've lived in Louisiana, Los Angeles, Detroit, and Toronto, all places with dynamic music traditions. They have been crucial crossroads for African culture and politics. So let us know, how did you get involved in music? What made you connect the politics and the culture? My mother tells me I was conceived in, in, in Los Angeles and she went back to Arcadia, Louisiana, which is in Bienville Parish. And I was born, and then they brought me back to, uh, to, to to Los Angeles. But my grandmother, Ola May Pruitt, I remember I went to a family reunion in Simsboro, Louisiana. And when I looked up, you know, at the choir, uh, you know, the the the, uh, the the person playing the organ was was a Pruitt. The soloist was was a Pruitt. The choir director was a Pruitt. The whole, you know. So it's uh, I know I got I, I, a lot of it. A lot of it came from from uh, my uh, m- mother's side of the family, but my father, who couldn't hold a tune in a, in a bucket, was a fanatic. Was a music fanatic, and when I say a music fanatic, I mean he loved everything from Howlin' Wolf, uh, Elmo Slim. He named my sister Lorraine after after Nat King Cole's Sweet Lorraine, and uh, he liked Dinah Washington. He was very, very, very eclectic. And uh, my mother was a was a she was one drop. She liked blues, and then eventually, she began to love she loved reggae, reggae, reggae. She loved reggae, but she was basically a a, a, a bluesologist. But my father was a was across the board kind of guy, and he was very. Uh, although he he was born in 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 uh, he was born in Chase, Louisiana, believe it or not, <laughs> and his mother was was born in Mississippi, and my grandfather, his father, was born in 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 same place I was born in, in Arcadia, but Little Richard, I heard Little Richard when I was a kid, and I became a, a Little Richard fanatic. My mother told me that I used to run around. You know, we had a piano and, you know, I was a little guy and I would, you know, I would just try to try to be try to be like Little Richard. And then there was a there was a guy by the name of uh, 
Johnny Morissette. Johnny Morissette is a very controversial brother. He had a song there, the place that I know, have a good time, or at the twisting place. And uh, he was close to Sam Cooke. And I was I was a fanatic of a, a big fanatic of uh, Johnny. Uh, 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 you know what they call him three voice Johnny, a uh, three voice or two voice uh, Morissette. And then I heard D. Clark. Hey, little girl in high school sweater. Oh, I like to know you better. Wearing that crazy skin tight. I used to walk to school singing that, wake everybody up. And then I heard Smokey. I mean, Smokey. And then I heard uh, Curtis Mayfield and Eddie Kendricks. And then I tried to sing. And that, you know, my style was was based around those guys. Although at that particular time, I, I only sang, I sang natural first tenor. And then when I came to uh, Canada, there was a guy by the name of Barry Llewellyn. Barry Llewellyn was uh, a member of the Heptones. He sang the song, The Book of Bomb, 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 Bomb. He sang lead on that. But he basically, uh, he showed me how to sing in falsetto. I don't know how he showed me how to do it. But every when I came to Canada, I started singing uh, falsetto. And I was really... Uh, I guess Eddie Kendricks was my uh, Eddie Kendricks was the one that I tried to sound like because uh, you know I, I, I Smokey I don't think really Smokey doesn't Smokey I think is a natural first tenor but Eddie was a falsetto so that's basically how I got into the you know in, in, into the music thing and I, I recorded a couple of reggae songs in in Canada but I haven't recorded uh, I would like to get back into the studio and actually do some recording I think. I still have a, a little bit left in the tank. I think I could, I could, I could handle a few things. Uhuru, uhuru. Yeah, thanks for that. And you know, I know you mentioned a lot of what uh, my grandfather would call uh, his homeboys. You know, uh, both my <laughs> both my grandfathers came from the area of Northwest Louisiana. Uh, my granddad on my dad's side was born in Minden, and my granddad on my mom's side was born in uh, Cushada. Cushada, Louisiana. Um, well, Minden is that's where uh, that's where Percy Mayfield was born. Right, right, right. Exactly, exactly. So, but uh, another artist that you mentioned was Sam Cooke. Sam Cooke's "A Change Is Going to Come" was a favorite of Malcolm X. Let's listen to that song right now. Oh, yes, it will. 
somebody keep telling me don't hang around it's been a long a long time coming but i know a change gonna come oh yes it will Then I go to my brother And I say, brother, help me please But he winds up knocking me That was Sam Cooks. A change is going to come. DJ Eddie, at age 11, you were diagnosed with a rare disease that eventually left you blind. Doctors said that you would not live past age 15. At age 15, you were committed to the hospital with massive organ failure. People thought you would die, but you didn't. Immediately after you got out of the hospital, you started your first group, Eddie and the Wonder Boys. Can you tell us about that experience? Was that name influenced by Stevie Wonder? Uh, yes, it it really was because, uh, again, thank you so much for that. You, I lost my sight at the age of 11. It started going, and I came completely blind at the age of 15. And uh, remarkably, I was uh, diagnosed with sarcoidosis at the time. It was a very, very rare disease. It's more common now, but I was one of the first people to receive that here in the United States, among the first in 1978, the article was produced uh, by the St. Petersburg Times, and it said on the front page uh, was my face, and it said, Eddie at 15 faces death, a lonely place to be. And uh, on the back page was Jimmy Carter, who was the president at the time. And uh, it went to the, it got picked up by the United States press and went nationally. After that, it got picked up by the Stars and Stripes and went worldwide at the time we got worldwide stuff now from the internet but back then in 78 there was no such thing as the internet and going worldwide and so that was just a remarkable uh, thing for, to happen for myself and we got thousands and i and i kid, kid you not thousands of letters from people schools uh, classrooms teachers uh evangelists sitting cards and and um uh, cloths prayer cloths and and uh, my dad is, was a singer, Eddie Maltzby Sr., and he's managed a group called the Florida Spiritual Heirs for over 20-some-odd years. And at the time, they uh, they called him and said, your your son is, is dying. His, his kidneys, liver, uh, he's gone blind. He, he's not going to make it. And my dad uh, come home off the road because he was touring with that group at the time. And he, he stopped in a place called uh, Georgia, 
and he visited with this spiritualist. The spiritualist guy was named Reverend Roosevelt Franklin. And my dad stopped in and said, my son is dying. I don't know what to do. And he said, this is what I want you to do. I'm going to give you some scriptures and I'm going to give you a solution. Get him home or wherever you can take him. And so they, they, my mother and my father, uh, was, my mother was a school teacher and she, she came down with my dad and they took me out. And they said, we want to take our son home. And so the hospital said, if that's what you want to do, you can do it. And they took me home. They bathed me in what Reverend Franklin had gave them. And my dad read the scriptures, and um, immediately, uh, a day or two after that, I started coming back and feeling better and, and getting back to myself. And and that's just a true uh, testimony of what happened with me. And my dad was a singer, and he said, you, you're going to do good things. And, and I said, well, I want to sing like you, Dad. And I began to uh, come up with a couple of people, Reverend Fleming Tarver. Uh, who's a reverend here in St. Petersburg, Florida, prominent reverend now. And he was singing with my dad. It was the assistant manager of the Florida Spitulaires. They said, okay, he got with his son and my son. They brought us in the garage and they started practicing. And they said, Reverend Tarver's son was named Troy Sr. He was about the age of 13 at the time. I was 15 and he was the leader. And it was going to be the name of the group was going to be Troy and the Wonder Boys. And but when we started practicing, Reverend Tarver had said, no, I'm going to pull my son. Eddie, you have to lead this group. You have the talent. You have the, the, the know how you just feel it inside. There's something spiritual in you. And he he, he can. I'm saying he pulled his own son. I don't know many men would do that. But Reverend Tarver pulled his own son and said, sorry, I'm sorry, you can't be the leader. Eddie has to be the leader, and that's you know that's how it came to be. Eddie and the Wonder Boys, and we went on to sing about two or three years, and 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 after that, I went ahead and started singing downtown. I turned eighteen, and I thought to myself, I need to try to make a living for myself. And as uh, Dr. Masamela just mentioned earlier in the show, that uh, I sung downtown uh, from the age of like twenty, I think I started. So the age of 55, I'm 58 now, and that's when I came to Black Power about uh, three or, or so years ago, and I've been here ever since from the, just like from the streets to the studio and uh, becoming to be a DJ, and I started with gospel, and uh, and after I did gospel here, you know, I, I, see, I saw the need of, of playing R&B, and so if I could do a little gospel in the morning from 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. Well, give me a midday cafe from 12 to 2 on Mondays and Wednesdays and Fridays. And then also on Friday evening, I do smooth groove. So, it, you know, it, it's just a remarkable journey I've been on. And, and uh, again, I, I want to thank you for this opportunity to express uh, how, I, how I live my life and the amazing uh, journey that I've been on. Uhuru. 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 Wow. What an amazing story and testimony. Um, as noted, DJ Eddie's father, also named Eddie Maltzby, toured with the popular gospel group Eddie Maltzby in the Florida Spiritual Lairs. Here is one of the tracks entitled Ain't No Love Like Jesus. Ain't no love like my Jesus love. God knows we got mountains 
got rivers, we got battles, but you see one thing we don't have is enough love for one another. Why, if there was enough love in the world today, you could come out to the program and wouldn't even have to lock your front door. Right now I'm gonna call a young man around to the mic that's been with me for a long, long time. Ain't No Love Like Jesus from Eddie Maltby and the Florida Spiritualaires. You are listening to the People's War Radio Show, produced by WBPU, Black Power 96.3 FM in St. Petersburg, Florida. Our guests today are DJ Eddie and Norman Jalali Richmond. Uhuru Jalali. Black Music Month was rebranded as African American Music Appreciation Month by President Barack Obama. Do you support this rebranding? Of course not. I think what President Barack Hussein Obama has done, he has actually nationalized and international music. I remember reading uh, Langston Hughes's book, a book by Langston Hughes many years ago, and he talked about how gospel music, we talked about that, Eddie can attribute to that, that the, the Fist Jubilee singers went all over Europe. In uh, I think it was 1873, you know, in 1870s, and Europe at that particular time was not like Europe today. You you go to Europe today, you know, Africans are all over Europe, you know, Sweden and England, France and Belgium. At that time, there were not that many of us 
on the in the European continent. Yet these black folks went from Nashville, Tennessee. They were the Fifth Jubilee Singers. That was the name of the of the university, and basically tore the place up. When I say they tore the place up, they were go back and read the reviews. They 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 knocked the socks off of these white folks at that particular time. Then you had the the you know the jazz situation where. Uh, people like uh, Louis Armstrong. And just before that, I guess there was a guy by the name of, his name was Reese. Randy Weston talks about him, but he took a group and they went to Europe. But let's begin with Satchmo. They took the the jazz all around the world. You know, then uh, uh, Calypso went around the world with with Harry Belafonte. I think the first million selling album of all time was Calypso by Harry Belafonte. Then, of course, you had the reggae situation. I think Millie, Millie Smalls from Jamaica, my boy Lollipop, I think she was the first artist to go to Africa even before Jimmy Cliff. But then you had, you know, uh, Millie Small go there, go to Ghana, turn the place out. Jimmy Cliff goes goes to Africa, is arrested the first time he goes to Africa. Then, of course, Bob Marley, Peter Tosh, Bunny Whaler. Uh, Bunny went to South, went to Africa much later, I believe. But uh, uh, you know the Whalers went there, and then you know the hip hop folks went to Africa. So uh, you know the the African music is uh, is not a, a national music; it is an international music. Uhura, Uhura, I definitely agree with that. DJ Eddie, why is it important to preserve, protect, and perpetuate Black music? Well, I, I can only give you how I feel about that, but uh, it definitely is important to protect it because it's, it's it's ours, and and we should protect anything that comes from black should stay with black. It, it is important to to use what we have for our own good for because it's, it's ours, and we should always want to protect black music in any genre uh, that we start because we actually are the creators of all music. Uh, Black people, African people are the creators of blues, rock and roll, and anything else you want to put in in that category, any genre, is solely owned and and been created through the sources of African people. We started the beat, we started the bongos, drums, and whatever it was, it was a celebration. And and I mentioned that earlier with with the good news. Uh, They speak the spiritual uh, of the good news of the beating of the drums, it, it represented something, and it, and that's ours. And we should always uh, keep anything that belongs to us should be for us, and always keep stay to us because it's ours. And we should, we are the originators, we are the creators, and 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 I think it's it's very important that we protect that so that we can un- give an understanding to our children's and our children's children's and and so forth. But like uh, it has been do- do- documented many, many years over how they have the colonialism people and the classic uh, capitalism people have have taken everything we have and created something wealth for themselves. So I I think that's important that we preserve it and keep that sacred for ourselves. And if if we're going to, if we're going to uh, have it go out into the massive and and that's where we want it, but we want it the massive with our people. Uh, we want it to be the massive for African people everywhere, no matter where you live. You know, I hear Chairman Omela Satella always say, man, you didn't you didn't get on the boat as an American. You got on the boat as an African. So if you're a black man, no matter where you are, you are an African. And, and you know, we need to teach that and, and, and teach that to our, our young people and our kids. 
and uh, I don't want to get so off off uh, the rail uh, of protecting the the music, but it it, it just needs to be said. Some things need to be said that this is why we need to protect our music because we need to protect it for the young people and the children. And I, I look at some of the, when I say, look, I don't look the way you look. I look at spiritually. I, I look at some of the things that are going on with our, uh, the movement and, and things of, of the African people's socialist party and so forth. And, and I'm looking for outlet. I'm looking for something for the children because I, I see myself 55 uh, and I, I want to create something for the kids. And that's what is happening. This creation of the music is getting to the kids and the kids are the one that's going to take this to the next level and the freedom. I, I said the good news when they preached and they played the drums and the spiritual was a good news, good news, gospel, gospel is good news. Good news is freedom. And that's what they were talking about when they were speaking and singing those songs, the uplifting songs, gospel is good news, good news is freedom, Conrad. And and, we, and that's the importance of keep, keeping this music, the black music, the African music, jazz, rhythm, rock and roll, whatever it is, it was created and solely uh, created in Africa. And uh, we need to preserve it, keep it, and, and so that our children and children, children have the right to it because it's theirs and ours. Absolutely. I will say Uhuru and hallelujah. Uhuru Jalali and DJ Eddie, thanks again for coming on the People's War Radio Show. Is there anything else you'd like to say? Well, again, I'm so proud to be here for the uh, People's War Show, a dynamic show. Uh, I encourage people to definitely listen to you all the time. Uh, every Thursday at 5 p.m. here at Black Power 96.3 FM. Just a wonderful job you two comrades are doing. And again, thank you for having me. And I also want to say happy Father's Day to you two comrades, man. Dr. Marcelo, I know you're a father. I don't know about you, Mwambi, but if you are, I want to say happy Father's Day to you two guys, man. And, and also to my father, Eddie L. Maltzby Sr., and uh, to you, too, Norman Richard, and everyone's out there across the world, across the land. Happy Father's Day from uh, your favorite DJ, DJ Edith. Thank you guys so much. Uhuru. 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 Thank you so much. Thank you so much. You are listening to the People's War Radio Show, produced by WBPU, Black Power 96.3 FM in St. Petersburg, Florida. Our guests today were DJ Eddie and Norman Jalali Richmond. This has been the People's War Radio Show, produced by WVPU Black Power Radio at 96.3 FM in St. Petersburg, Florida. WVPU is a project of the African People's Education and Defense Fund, the baddest nonprofit on the planet, whose mission is to defend the human and civil rights of the African community and address the grave disparities faced by African people in education, healthcare, and economic development. For more information on the African People's Education and Defense Fund, visit apedf.org. Episodes of the People's War Radio Show are available on the Black Power Talks podcast. For updates and resources to fight the coronavirus or to volunteer with Project Black Onk, visit developmentforafrica.org. Thank you for listening. Colonial virus, mass incarceration, that's colonial virus.